are proudly presented by Sex Panther Cologne. When you need to musk up, when you're ready to do the no pants dance, don't go for London Gentleman or even Blackbeard's Delight. The only cologne guaranteed to work 60% of the time, every time, is Sex Panther. Nice. I yeah. am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant Banjax, and now Suicide Jockeys. The other voice in the dark, the man on the box to the left is... David Avalone, uh, comic book writer, filmmaker, and uh, day drinker. Love it. Uh, if you missed any of our previous conversations, uh, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it all out. Um, great show today, as always, but let's get a, a couple of plugs in before we, uh, we do it. Uh, sure. I, I have, uh, Elvira meets Vincent Price currently out. I think, uh, issue three hits November 17th and a bunch of other stuff brewing, but nothing that I can officially announce. Uh, Rylan, what you got going on? All those NDAs. I love the NDA yeah. work. Makes this, it makes this sound so interesting. Uh, uh, my uh, Tokusatsu joint, uh, Suicide Jockeys, the first three issues are in comic shops right now. You can run out and get it. Um, Tokusatsu for the Uninitiated is the Japanese sci-fi action genre that includes uh, like Power Rangers, Super Sentai, Voltron. Um, it also includes Kaiju Fair like Godzilla. Uh, in a nutshell, Suicide Jockeys is Fast and the Furious meets Voltron with an extra dollop of heart and soul and a shit ton of Zen philosophy thrown in. Um, it is a howling mad good ride. Um, it has uh, uh, been uh, raved about by the critics. I think we're sitting uh, firmly at a 9.2 on Comic Book Roundup for whatever that's Very worth. Nice. Uh, uh, a, a firm 10 uh, from the users. Um, so people are digging it. People are liking it. People are getting it. You're going to dig it. You're going to like it. You're going to get it too. So uh, run out and buy yourself a couple of copies. All right. Our guests today, shall I bring on our guests? Let's do it. Okay. Shannon and Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Howdy, howdy. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Okay. You want to start, Andrew? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm Andrew Farrago. I am uh, probably best known as the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco. Uh, just as of this recording, just celebrated my 20th anniversary on staff there. Uh, wow. And that's, that's, that's quite a tale. So we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, forthcoming, uh, let's see. Yeah. In addition to putting together fine exhibitions and programming for the museum, uh, I do a lot of writing about comics and cartoons. So I don't actually have my new copies yet, but I do, I've got two books coming out from Sideshow Collectibles and Inside Editions coming out in November. So one, and they've got incredibly long titles. So if you just look up my name on Amazon, um, one of the, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly never going to get the one title. It's Demigods and mm -hmm. something, and it's got like 15 subtitles, but it's, um, uh, it's about archetypes and it's like really cool photography of the sideshow collectibles, toys and statues. So it's a very cool book. And one's about the fine art prints, which has a much shorter name, fine art prints. You've written comics histories too. Comics right? histories too. Um, 
a very cool thing coming up, and this is not actual cover shown. Is uh, this is this is some Northeast Ohio pride. Uh, Tom Baddock asked me to write the introduction to the uh, next Funky Winker Bean collection, which is going to be published in December. Um, and he lives, um, seriously, he, he grew up, or I grew up about a 30-minute drive from where Tom Baddock lives. Uh, so, like, getting getting the call from him, like, hey, do you want I need I need, like, a historian to write an introduction and... I got to play six degrees of funky because everybody in Northeast Ohio has some connection <laughs> to him. And actually my direct connection is he's actually my introduction to original artwork mm. because we shared an orthodontist. <laughs> my, when you were a kid, my orthodontist had a funky winker bean strip on the wall, you know, and he, Tom personalized it and said, you know, thanks. Hey doc, did thanks he, for straightening did he me pay, out. Did he pay your orthodontist in original art for a root canal one time? Is that he may have done that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he did. He did. He did that. That that great. That cheeky um, mm -hmm. personalization. Thanks for straightening me out, doc. And it's like, wow, this is original artwork. This is this 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 actually makes it fun. Not fun to visit the orthodontist, but. <laughs> less, uh, less daunting. Um, so getting, getting, yeah, getting tapped to write that intro was super cool. And Shannon will back me up on this. He is, despite how close he lives to my parents, like how close I grew up to him and everything, have never met him in person. He's one of the few comics pros we've never met. And we mm. could, we could, we could run out this whole time with like a list of. Just an alphabetical list of all the people in comics we've ever met and mm -hmm. worked with and everything. And I've never come face to face with the funky winker bean guy. No. Nope. Tom 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 Baddock, who is like a, you know, on, on a good day about a about a 40 minute drive from my mm -hmm. parents' house. Um yeah, I have not managed to mm -hmm. see him yet. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we'll we'll take care of that. <laughs> this should do it. Maybe a book signing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll turn it over to Shannon. I'm Shannon Garrity, and I'm a cartoonist and writer and comics editor. I've done a little bit of everything in the comics industry. Uh, most recently, um, I came up with my first graphic novel, um, which I conveniently have here. It's um, The Dire Days of Willow Wheat Manor, uh, written by me and drawn by Chris Baldwin, who I know like way back from our days uh, doing web comics in the early 2000s. Uh, I'm still do web comics. I do an online comic strip called Skin Horse, and I am a freelance manga editor. So I work on um, manga editing and localization. Nice, very nice. So we wanted to. We, I I know Andrew uh, online. I know him through the Cartoon Art Museum and through uh, mutual fighting with Chuds on Twitter, um, which yeah. is. Uh, uh, <laughs> Is it a hobby? Is it a calling? Who can say? Uh, but we certainly have both. I, I, do, I do it for the kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I do it for America. Um, but uh, all that said, I, wa I wanted to go back to the beginning, Andrew. And how did you get involved with the comic art? The, excuse me, the Cartoon Art Museum. What, what was your in there? Yeah. Um, so I've been mean, looking, looking way back when... Um, 
you know, again, there, there are just so many cases of like right place, right time. But uh, a friend of mine from high school, we were on the, um, cat yeah, we're on the cross country team together. And I was a you know, fairly recent college grad. He was, he was a couple of years younger than me. So he was still in school and he had an internship that was going to take him out to San Francisco. And I was still at that figuring out everything post-college stage. And he said, you know, it'd be great to have a roommate out there. Do you want to, do you want to come out? And, um, I said, sure. So he got an, in, he got an internship with Arthur Anderson, which got taken down in the hall. Yeah. Look, look this up on Wikipedia, the hall Enron, um, you know, California energy oh, sure. all of the, of the early 2000s thing, um, which actually burned him out on accounting, but that's, I'll let him tell that story when he's a guest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I was here in San Francisco and I was basically working um, temp jobs. And I realized like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this miserable work that I don't enjoy and then on the weekends, um, especially after my friend was only out here for like a few months for his internship. And once he left, I'm like, I don't know anybody here. I've got no particular reason to be, you know, you know, going broke in the city if I'm not enjoying it. So um, I looked up volunteer opportunities on Craigslist. I was just looking for you know, what's a place like I, what's a place where I can just, I can meet people in their twenties who are, um, <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm sorry. the place to meet the hot young singles. It's true. Yeah. That too. Yeah. But you know, where's, where's a place that I can meet people my age with my interests. And, you know, I was incredibly lucky because there was a volunteer posting like cartoon art museum needs um, weekend uh, volunteers like to run the admissions desk. So I said, yeah, I better, I better check this place out. Like even, even if it, even if it doesn't work, I need to check out a place called cartoon art museum. And I showed up, there was a great, uh, peanuts 50th anniversary exhibition. Um, Hallie Brignall, who was the bookstore manager at the time, gave me a tour, showed me around and I thought, yeah, I can, I can absolutely see spending my, my weekends here. This will be cool. This will make, this will give me a connection, you know, some reason to stay in San Francisco. And at the very, very, very end of that tour, she took me into the back office of the museum and was introduced, introduced me to one of her coworkers and then introduced me to uh, someone who had just wrapped up her internship there. And I, I'm not kidding at all. She said, this is Shannon. She's single. Mm -hmm. And that was my, that was my introduction to her. Mm -hmm. So hot, <laughs> hot young singles at the cartoon art museum. That was yeah. literally the, the yeah. that's, that's, that's pretty right. impressive. <laughs> yeah. And I guess they had been talking about dating was, I was probably complaining yeah. before that. So that's, that prompted that introduction. Um, <laughs> you know, it took a while before we dated, but we did start hanging out. Um, the next time, the next time we met is when she corrected me on, um, 
something about Asama Tezuka at the, Tezuka yeah, at the, yeah. at the while well, I was at the admissions desk, yeah. I was talking to another volunteer about manga, yeah. about manga, which I was totally out of my depth and getting it totally wrong. And Shane and jumped up and corrected me. Yeah. <laughs> getting corrected. Yes. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good yeah, that you were. Then, that's good that you were open to that. That that was not a. It's always a good sign. Yeah, and she mentioned. Um, yeah, she mentioned that she had been an intern, and then I connected. Yeah. Like, oh, we met that one time, and um, we actually started hanging out every weekend after that. She started volunteering and hanging out. That's right. So I could see the Andrew. And I eventually figured out why she was doing it. Yeah, I went back to volunteering to <laughs> hang out with Andrew. I love that this is a comp. A cartoon history story and a love story. Like we've got yeah. the two, the two elements, uh, yeah. the two elements of a successful story. Yeah, I was um, there doing. At the, yeah, like Andrew said, I was there with on an internship. I got an internship at the Cartoon Art Museum at the end of call after college, and I got a job at uh, Viz Media, manga publisher in San Francisco, so I could support myself to the internship because it was unpaid. And that was what I was doing out there. I was the front desk receptionist at Viz and volunteering at the museum. And this is probably a good time. Tell, tell us about the museum overall. Like where was it at 20 years ago and where is it at now? Yeah, so 2000, um, yeah, I was I was starting as a, as a weekend volunteer. So I did, um, helped out with special events and parties and I was staffing the, uh, admissions desk on the weekends and all stuff you're still doing now stuff I'm still <laughs> doing now <laughs> um, it's a very small museum and yeah and this this repeats itself we were in we were in this transitional stage because mm -hmm. not long after I was there um, after I started there we were losing our lease because at the time it was the you know the very first was it, was it called the dot-com boom? The first yeah, one first in one 2000? Dot-com boom, yeah. dot-com boom. So this is like, um, yeah. And again, kids use use Wikipedia or ask a, ask somebody with gray hair about this. But, about the 2000s. Um, this, was that, this was that period where you just put dot-com on the end of anything and you got some um, venture capital thrown at you. Yeah, and just like now you just turn anything into a disruption. Yeah, and you, yeah. <laughs> um, so money was all over the place in San Francisco, which meant the um, our landlord at the time said, "Oh, we can we can raise the rent significantly." Taking out the nonprofits, hey, yeah. out the nonprofits. Hey, you uh, get out of here! <laughs> yeah. So I was I was there for this period when we were, um, you know, and I I got to I I had about a. You know, I, I had a nice, I had a nice run there during. That was, the, yeah. The the end times there. That space had been. Was that the museum's first permanent location? Second permanent location. Okay, and that was on like the second floor of a building, on Market Street. Yeah, um, you know, and while I while I was there, I did things like I, I uh, you know, I looked at like some things that we weren't doing, and I said, you know, why isn't there? You know, I'm I'm here on Saturdays and I can teach cartooning. Do you want? You want me to do a cartooning class? And they said, sure. So I kind of I initiated that and did some cartooning workshops and things for kids. Um, you know, started, I said, like, why aren't we having artists hang out here and just draw? So we, we got that going. 
Yeah, we did that for a while. That was fun. Yeah, and um, we got to the end of our time at that location, and that's about the time that Shannon wrote a. I, I don't. I don't even know if I had any input on it. She wrote a job application for me for the Berkeley Art Museum. Oh yeah, that's right. I did. Um, so that I could actually. Yeah, I got your job. You know, stop stop doing the office temp thing and, and at least do something in the arts. So I mm -hmm. worked at the Berkeley Art Museum as a preparator um, for a few months, right up until that ended right around 9/11. Honestly. Oh gosh, yeah. That was like one of. <laughs> That was that summer. It's that was two summer, summer of 2001. Yeah, it's a lot going on. Um, but around that time, the museum, um, yeah, it was it was working out of a temporary office mm -hmm. space. And when we signed a lease at the new place, um, like around November 2000, yeah, November 1st, 2001 was mm -hmm. when we took possession of the new place. Um, that's when I started on staff and I got to come in and do, um, basically get things ready, get things mm -hmm. prepped to open. Um, so, you know, paint the walls, clean the place, get everything ready, and you um, were, frame artwork, hang artwork, layout exhibitions. Yeah. And you were assistant curator then. Yeah. My title, my title then, um, some people, the people who knew me back then still probably call me this. I was gallery manager. So oh, yes, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That was this nice, the director was thinking ahead mm -hmm. at the time, like if we give him a catch all mm -hmm. job title, he will do whatever. <laughs> so it's like, that was like volunteer coordinator mm -hmm. and PR and um, assisting the curator, assisting like, mm -hmm. everything. So, mm -hmm. um, and is that where, is that the current location? No, we've moved okay. to another yeah. location since then. Yeah, so okay. it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, is it? Is it? It's a third permanent location. We moved to another fourth. location. We had to a move third permanent. During the next tech boom. This is the fourth. fourth <laughs> the fourth permanent location. Fourth permanent during location. The next I love tech it. Boom, yeah. We got kicked out of that space and had to find another location. Yeah. Yeah. San Francisco mid, real estate. Mid twenty tens, it was tech yeah. boom instead of dot. Sure. Yeah. So that was yeah. um, nomadic pursuit. Mm -hmm. Real estate. Anywhere in the city tripled. At least. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So we had to, um, yeah. So we we closed our doors again. So we had about two years, and it was actually, you know, it was a good pandemic prep because we had to take a lot of our things um, online, mm -hmm. and we had to deal with like we have to be guests at other mm -hmm. locations and we have to do other things to keep our do name outreach. keep our name out there yeah. while we are you know between well, while there's not a physical museum mm -hmm. people could go to so that was actually good prep for what's come up recently and the is the physical museum back open now yes yeah. so since um, and it's you know it's interesting times cuz we yeah. <laughs> of course uh, you know i i i can remember march 2020 that we were surprised because we saw the, the Walt Disney Family Museum announced. Uh, I think they'd had a staff member who, you know, had had COVID or had a scare. So they were closing down mm -hmm. for two entire weeks. And we thought, wow, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Who would do that? Not everyone has that too. And then um, we were, we're still kind of processing that. And we we're like everybody watching this zombie movie. 
unfold. We're like, what's what's coming up? What's coming up? And then the city said it's it's shelter in place. So everybody, you know, if you are not providing food uh, or or if you're not a store like a, you know a drugstore or something, you are closed. Period. Mm -hmm. And we thought, okay, this will be. And schools closed down too, so we thought, okay, this is. They said this is going to be an extended spring break for the kids, so we figure, okay, we're right. back to. We're back, and we'll say, what a strange month. Yep. <laughs> that was. Um, we got to open for a little bit. Um, I think I think October 2020, we got to be open before we had that other that other. You know the expected holiday surge. It might have been. It might have been November. Actually, I think it was November, and then around Thanksgiving, everything had to close down again. So we maybe open for three weekends. But we've been open. Uh, we've been open for a while. We've been open since yeah. March. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And since March of twenty twenty one, you came back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the current location is in Fisherman's Wharf. So oh, cool. Like big tourist district now. I was going to say. So you you. You get that walk-in business that you didn't necessarily get on the second floor of an office building. Yeah, I mean the space in between that that we had between that time was in like the arts district, which was nice. Mm. But now it got uh, kind of a slightly different vibe. We're actually sure. really close to down the street from the Buena Vista Cafe, which invented like the Irish coffee. That's very nice. This beautiful view of the bay. Yeah, we're right by uh, we're, we're right next to Ghirardelli Square. Oh yeah, Ghirardelli Square. Yeah. So that definitely helps. Yeah, and uh, it, it it affects it affects the vibe if we get the people who load up on chocolate <laughs> and then hit us on the way to end the day with an Irish coffee. That, that's right. Or if we get the type of people who start the day with an Irish coffee and then <laughs> stumble toward the chocolate and then find us. Either one sounds like a pretty good day, honestly. Yeah. yeah. As long as they wash their hands after the Ghirardelli, I think you're yeah. you're in. We've got, in the, we've got the we've got the hand sanitizer. That's, so nice. <laughs> That's good. Take how big <laughs> how big a space is it? It's um, I I forget the square footage, and I haven't pulled up the tape measure <laughs> during a while. <laughs> but uh, we generally have um, one large featured exhibition mm -hmm. at a time, along with a. Uh, along with a permanent collection exhibition, whether that's animation or comic strip oriented or comic book oriented or political cartoons. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, we also have a classroom space, which currently we actually have full of Batman it's movie Batman. costume replicas. <laughs> it's just full of Batman right? dummies right now. So you walk, you walk in that room and there are six or seven Batman oh, hanging yeah. out. Um, yeah, this classroom's full of Batman. To greet you so it's it's a cool um you know we're we're aware that we're in like the um again we're not we're not far from the the wax museum and the sure please believe you're not museum so sure. doing a little bit of that to get people in the door before we we spring the comics on them is, yeah. is, sure is, there's uh, there's no harm in that everybody everybody needs a batman dummy every yeah, comic book store in america has a spider-man out in front of it so it's not you right. know it's, yeah, uh, we never, you know, we never want to be, um, you know, we don't, we don't want to, we, we want to be accessible. That's a big part of what we sure. do is we want, um, this is going to be the first museum experience for some kids. It's going to be the thing that gets some adults back 
Um, so we, you know, we, we, we love that. We love that this is this, this accessible, um, art form that, um, you know, it's, we, 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 I really do try to have something for everybody, uh, when they visit. And is it more focused on any particular genre of cartoon art? Is it more focused on comic strips than comic books, more focused on comic books than animation? Like, is there a hierarchy? <laughs> yeah, you know, the I, I try to strike a balance over the course of the year. Um, you know, this is kind of the past two years total. It's kind of like a gap year where we're just kind of, um, you know, just trying to maintain some forward momentum. Um, so the Wonder Woman show that is on display right now, um, you know, that that hits a little bit of uh, That's mostly comic books, but it hits a little bit of animation. It hits a little bit of pop culture. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of movies. And mm -hmm. uh, sure. thanks to Sideshow Collectibles donating a painting, we've got like a little fine art mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. aspect in there too. Um, but you know it'll 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 change from time to time. So we'll have a comic book heavy period. But then, right now I'm working on some comic strip oriented things, and I'm also I'm taking this opportunity this time to um, pull out some gems from our permanent collection that people haven't seen in a while. So things like um, you know I'm I'm thinking about my kid, and then all the other mm -hmm. kids who come in and say. Well, where's Garfield? If this is if this is a cartoon art museum, where's Snoopy? Where um, you know? And then the um, you know the the, hist the historian minded the history minded fans who come in and want to see Crazy Cat. So I'm, I'm going to do something right. next that addresses that. So we're going to go a little bit comic strip heavy mm -hmm. for the next few months. But then I'm talking to. Um, some really, some really talented contemporary kids graphic novelists, right? Yeah, um, and putting together a cool that'll be a good show. Show that'll get the you know get the the tweens mm -hmm. in there. Like when we when we opened at the new location, um, we and I very deliberately made sure to do this. We we kicked things off with a Reina Telgemeier mm -hmm. exhibition. Sure. Um, because that's what that's you know that's what I wanted. I said we've got to look toward um, who are, who are the next generation or actually the current generation of comic fans who mm -hmm. are who's who do we want to reach? Who do we want to engage? Like who are the who are the people that we want to have coming in and um, really really moving us forward? Uh, and I did have the you know I did have the advantage of Raina living in Northern California, so I could just. Right. Um, um, you know, go to her place and actually go through, um, you know, go through her archives with her and say, oh, we need a, we need a sequence from this and this would be cool. And this is, this is a very San Francisco oriented passage from Smile. So let's, mm -hmm. let's do that and make sure that's in there. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of the really great things about the museum being where it is and um, that we do have access to and fewer and fewer of them actually in the city itself because of right. the, the demographics. And I mean, we're, 
we're, we're reporting here from an undisclosed location in the East Bay of California mm -hmm. because we got, um, um, you know, we, 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 we knew the apartment living in San Francisco was not going to be where we were going to be forever. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had friends move to Portland and Los Angeles mm -hmm. and, and parts unknown over the years, but there's still plenty of artists here in the East Bay. There are artists who work in San Francisco, whether they live there or not. Uh, and like within, within an hour's drive of here, we have access to so many um, incredible talents. Mm -hmm. And then if you expand that to Los Angeles and um, the West Coast, in general, we, mm -hmm. we can, you can do, I can do 20 years of shows before I have to even look um, sure. out of our team zone. <laughs> which is, which sure. Is no, that makes sense. Uh, is there, is there a community around the museum? Like, are you able to get in what, whatever the comic book slash comic strip community is up there? Do they come to the museum or is it mostly tourists, visitors, et cetera? You know, right now the um, yeah, oddly enough, right now the balance is very skewed toward tourists. Mm -hmm. um, well, people, we we wait. were we were addressing that right when the pandemic hit. I, we were doing yeah, monthly. We haven't been able to do like events and meet up so much under yeah. the pandemic, so it's kind of slowed things down in yeah. terms of reaching out to local. We're people. We're, we're, get, we're getting back there, but I felt like we were really hitting our groove as far as. We were doing Saturday or Sunday afternoon artist hangouts where um, mm -hmm. I was getting artists who, again, like like who who missed hanging out with people. They they came in and we had like a um, the Batman room, <laughs> which is our classroom space. Um, you know, we'd get we'd get we'd get a dozen artists mm -hmm. hanging out in there, uh, just drawing, doing doing jams. Um, some of them working on, some of them working on books. Some of them just wanting to um, draw with each other. Sure. Uh, we all, we were also having monthly events where we, um, you know, either local artists with book releases or uh, local animators or, um, you know, it's San Francisco and especially our our neighborhood is such a great place to visit. Uh, so we had, you know, I, I look back, I look back at March, 2020 mm -hmm. specifically, and it kills me that um, Patrick McDonald, who draws the Mutz comic strip, um, mm -hmm. we've known, we've known a long time. Um, you know, and we, th we thought, uh, he's being, he's being a little overly cautious, but like, um, I think March fifth, give or take, he was going to be he was going to be at the museum for a big, crowded, hundred person mm -hmm. event, and he said, "Yeah, I'm not sure about traveling right now," so he canceled. And the weekend after that, um, we were hosting an exhibition of the graphic novel. They called us Enemy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, which is was drawn uh, beautiful art by Harmony Becker, who uh, gave me full access to her digital files so that we could do um, nice big blow ups of her art for for uh, 
public display. Uh, but this was George Takei's memoir about growing up in right. the World War II internment camps uh, in the U.S. And he was, yeah, so I, I, I checked in and he was going to actually be uh, in town because he was getting a Lifetime mm -hmm. Achievement Award from, uh, I think, the Japanese American Society in San, in San Francisco. And, you know, so it's like, oh, he's, he's going to be there Saturday. I'll show up. I'll give him a guided tour. We'll do some selfies. We'll do a fun little video. And then it's like, uh, I got, a, I got an email from his husband saying, yeah. nope. <laughs> like, yeah. we're gonna... Sure. And, and I think that was, I think that was the weekend that we were, um, we either had to close that weekend or we mm -hmm. were, it was the Monday after mm -hmm. and we were just scrambling to mm -hmm. shut everything out. Yeah. But and I, we'll, we'll get back there again, but we were having, um, some pretty nice monthly events. Like the last mm -hmm. huge event I remembered um, talking myself up again is <laughs> I had a, um, I wrote a, a 400 page Batman history book. Mm -hmm. um, so Batman, the definitive history of the dark Knight from insight editions uh, mm -hmm. written by Jim McIntyre. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did a book release party um, October 2019 it was it might have been the 19th on my mom's birthday mm -hmm. um, but we had a huge um, party with like a hundred plus people there I was signing books all night Sam Ham um, still lives in the area writer of the 1989 Batman was there and um, I forget if you know Steve Englehart may have been out of town, but we, you know, we had, we had some of the local Batman talent. It was like a big sure. crazy party. We had the Batman costumes on display. We had a costume mm -hmm. contest. Um, you know, so we were, you know, right up until shutdown, we were having events like that, that really were engaging the community and, um, you know, encouraging. We had, you know, class field trips. We had the um, places like the Academy of Art College mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Um, Mick Gray, who's a very talented comic book inker, would bring his um, inking class mm -hmm. in for, for a visit each, each semester so they'd get a behind the scenes look where we would just um, geek out over mm -hmm. some cool stuff in the permanent collection so I could and we would, we would seriously spend two hours just talking about inking techniques and things where I'd, I'd pull out like, here's Walt Kelly and here's what he was doing and how did, how in the heck did uh, Klaus Jansen do this? Mm -hmm. And um, here's some zip a town mm -hmm. and, and fun stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll get there again. San Francisco has, is, um, the whole Bay Area is trending very positively as far as, um, you know, being being responsible with our, our mask wearing and our, sure. our vaccinations and everything. So I think we'll we'll get there again. That that makes me think about, like, is that the? <clears throat> do you have a mission for the museum? Like, is there a 
has it ever been formalized? Is it written down? Is it a thing that you think about? Uh, or is it so built into the DNA of the place that you're evangelizing for the work and for the art that you don't even need a mission statement? Yeah, um, yeah, before, uh, yeah, prior, prior to our new location, uh, the short, the bullet points were collect, preserve, display. So we were about, um, you know, we were really focused on um, the art itself. Mm -hmm. And um, going forward and with the new location, um, it's, it's a lot more about the creation and appreciation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, really about um, you know sharing the love so we want we want people sure uh, the idea is that we get the first grade class that visits and the academy of art students who visit and the uh, closet doodler who visits mm -hmm. um you know that we remind them uh, we either get them as excited about the art form as we are um or we remind them what they always loved about it, or we foster an appreciation of it. So I'm I'm always talking about, um, you know, and, uh, and I, lo I love seeing um, the faces light up when I give a tour or when I talk to some visitors and I talk about, um, you know, before this was on the walls, you know, this artist, um, whether it's George Perez or um, Jill Thompson or or whoever, this this artist was a kid like you who was just excited about drawing, excited about art, and spent every spare hour uh, scrounging every piece of paper they could so they could um, tell their stories. And um, you know, um, it's something my friend Jesse Ham said that like there's there are stories that only you can tell and we want to you know we want to make sure you do that we want you to um we want you to tell the stories that only you can tell well give you, you know, the, in, some cases, get, in some cases give you the tools to do that in some cases mm -hmm. give you the inspiration to do that um or if not, if nothing else, give you an appreciation for the people who have done that. If you, if you, if you say yes, I'm never gonna. I'm maybe I'm not gonna write the great American graphic novel, but now, um, now I'm more likely to read it. That's, sure, that's that's a win. <laughs> sure. So it it does sound like education is a big part of what you do. Are you having more classes coming up? Yeah, uh, Nina Taylor Kester, who's my um, uh, coworker, she's the um, um, she has been um, working overtime to mm -hmm. make make sure that all the progress we were making with our classes was um, continued uh, mm -hmm. during lockdown and, and beyond. So we we still aren't back to on-site classes, although I think we may be having our first. Uh, we may be having some of our first field trips coming up, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is which is exciting. But she took the classes online. She's been working with um, local teachers and art programs and um, 
figuring out which local cartoonists um, and not not necessarily local cartoonists even who's 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 um, who's good with kids who's able to hmm. um, who's been able to take their classroom uh, in person um, teaching skills and transfer those to um, you know this Hollywood Squares Brady Bunch <laughs> grid right thing. Um, so yeah, we've had, and we've had, um, yeah, it was, it was surprising when we looked at the numbers, but we actually, um, were able to teach more kids and reach more students sure. online than we would have in person. So that's, that's been pretty exciting. What, uh, what are your favorite pieces in the collection? I mean, the two of you worked there and I'm sure you've, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure when you stay there for 20 years, it's because you kind of I mean, you fall in love with the place, but you've yeah, you've, you, you know, you, you have your you have the loves of your life, like hanging on those walls. Right. So. So what yeah, what excites you? Um, ah, geez, a favorite in the permanent collection. We have a couple of Crazy Cat Sunday strips and they're really, really cool. I love George Harriman and those are really exciting to have. Um, one of them was donated by Gary Trudeau, who is a great comic book, uh, comic strip art collector. Mm -hmm. um, nice. um, we've got an animation cell from, we've got some, um, wait, do we have a Winsor McKay animation cell? Or is that, that was on long-term long loan? Yeah. Was long we had some cool, he had, we had some cool ones on long-term loan. There was a Gertie the Dinosaur, but also a sinking of the Lusitania page um, cell. Because yeah. um, he would do like, I guess, sort of basically animated newsreel things of like historic events huh. so we did the sinking of the lusitania as an animated short i think those are actually pre-cell no they're not even technically yeah cell is not even the correct word because it's not a it's not a cell and background setup it's before that everything was it's just, just a, it's a whole yeah. painted it was a whole painted frame of the sinking yes. of the Windsor lusitania just drawing a hundred thousand hundred thousand wow. dinosaurs and ships yeah and trees. one by one so Windsor mckay was also doing this newsreel stuff Sort of, yeah. Like, I mean, it's true wow. life anime. It's it's nonfiction animation. He did. That's he did insane. a lot. Of, he was a really cool experimenter in like the whole field of comics and animation. And he was a performer too. Well, that was part of the animation. Yeah, yeah. I had an animation performance. So we actually it, this was this was really fun. I think it might have been at the Castro Theater in San Francisco, but we got to see a um, we saw a screening of Gertie the Dinosaur the way it's meant to be seen, mm -hmm. which is on a screen with uh someone in a suit and tie dressed up interacting interacting with the dinosaur, with yeah. the dinosaur oh. behind him yeah so windsor mckay actually did this he traveled mm -hmm. around and if you think about it like this is this is when film technology was so new like yeah. a lot of people hadn't seen any movies and here's a guy like cracking a whip so the dinosaur will roll over mm -hmm. um he tosses a he tosses a melon at the screen and then the dinosaur gobbles it up mm -hmm. wow. uh and as 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 jaded it's great people then, who had like yeah. grown up with no, it's tv great. and everything we're our jaws were dropping it's great and at the end of the short he like walks off stage and like a little cartoon Winsor McKay appears on the screen and right climbs onto gertie's back and rides off it's a great short i had no idea there was a i mean i haven't seen gertie the dinosaur in a million years oh, but yeah, i have no idea no idea there was a live stage show performance that was yeah, supposed it was to something be with it. With it like a vaudeville performance organ accompaniment and all that yeah mm -hmm. probably yeah and, um the piece that i would grab if i were um again 
I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to say something bad happening well, like, no, that yeah. we had to have to run <laughs> out, but... just say what your favorite piece yeah. is. My favorite, yeah. Uh, my single favorite piece, like apart from, um, yeah, I would I am a huge fan of EC Seagar's Popeye. Oh yeah, of course. And we've got this incredibly cool piece. Um, he, I mean, he died young, which. Um, you know, it's it's tragic. It makes me appreciate the strips that we do have from him all the more. But he only had, um, you know, he only had about a decade where he was really like in the game, where he was doing Popeye strips mm -hmm. and like really, um, you know, the world was properly appreciating him and what he was doing. Um, so his his strips overall are are pretty rare. The surviving strips mm -hmm. and. We actually got this donation from, and I just I love when this happens. Like we got a call from, you know, and it sounds sounds made up. This you know this little old lady who was cleaning out her attic, and her father had been friends with cartoonists and had, um, you know, and had some strips, and maybe we would be a good home for them, and would we be interested? Um, and that was when we got two crazy cat sundays mm -hmm. um a selection of other strips but we got the, we got a popeye sunday uh by ec seagar and what makes this really extra cool is um one of the panels there is a second version of it so it's um it's got an alternate version of one of these panels because um, and I can tell exactly why he did it. It's Popeye is eating spinach, uh, or Popeye gets knocked into a spinach patch mm -hmm. by some, some brutes, <laughs> thugs, uh, mugs, whatever you want to call wells. them. Ne'er-do-wells. Yeah. Um, so he says, well, I'll take care of this. And he ate a whole field of spinach and then he goes and just wails on all of them. So it's, so it's, it's already a classic Popeye strip cause it's got spinach and violence and it's nice that he got some fresh spinach i just have to say he's eating the canned, yeah. oh, he'll eat he's eating the canned stuff so often yeah oh he'll eat he'll eat spinach in any fresh format. from the field spinach really yeah. nice that he got some fresh stuff for one takes these guys down and um then a cop shows up at the end and the the unpublished version he just he socks the cop <laughs> And then he says, like, he says, oh, I better, we, uh, you better, you know, you better take me off to jail. Uh, you know, I'll carry you there because like, I've got energy to burn. So he picks up the cop and says, like, um, yeah, I, I shouldn't have slugged you, but I'll, I'll, I'll carry you to jail where you can arrest me. Uh -huh. um, and they, they ultimately went with this toned down version, like where Popeye, like, instead of punching the cop says like, well, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have beaten up all these guys, take me to jail and I'll, you know, I'll carry you there. Um, and it's fun because this is, this is um, uh, the reason kids, one of the reasons that kids love Popeye was like, he, you know, he didn't really have to follow the rules. He could use his fists to his solve fists. problems, his fists. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
you know, and as Popeye became more popular, there was more and more pressure from the syndicate to make him a role sure. model. And whether it was Seagar or whether it was his editor who said, like, you can't, you can't punch, <laughs> you not have him knock out the police <laughs> on panel. Um, Popeye all ACAB, man. Yeah. So, uh, but what's great about this is, you know, more more than 99 out of 100 cartoonists would have just thrown this panel away. But Seagar, for whatever reason, had the foresight to tape the mm -hmm. uh, replacement panel to the, the bottom of his page, his original art. Yes. Maybe he wanted to give the syndicate the option of, like, mm -hmm. changing their mind and running the more violent version. <laughs> um, but he, uh, you know, uh, he saved that. And then as a result, we, 100 years after the fact, mm -hmm. have this really cool um, archive, like this this insight into his process. We get to, right. I get to yeah. do, you remember, do you remember offhand what year that strip was? Uh, I'm going to say that it was right around 19, um, let's see. Probably started 29. I'm going to say like 33, 1933 or so. Um, but it's cool, and I could I could spend like another two hours talking about. Well, you got you got Seagar's desk too. Popeye. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, the Charles Schultz Museum. Uh, our friends up in Santa Rosa, mm -hmm. at one point, um, yeah, they said. Someone offered us E.C. Seagar's drawing table. <laughs> I got that. Uh, I totally forgotten about that. Which is in my it's in it's in <laughs> my office. It's in my right office, there. and uh, they said it's not really it's not really within the parameter mm -hmm. parameters of what we collect. But would you? And I, I don't think they finished saying yeah. that before I said, "Yeah, bring it over." And, <laughs> um, and it's this it's this perfectly roughneck drawing table. Pretty basic, that, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a flat board. It's got this wrought iron base, yeah. and it's like you can absolutely see this. Uh, you know, eyes on the prize, <laughs> locked in his locked in his studio, <laughs> all the time. Artists like just toiling over it, and it's um, yeah. But that's you know that that could be another three hours me talking about <laughs> so, the bar. So, 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 so anyone who has watched the video on this show, we have a lot of listeners on iTunes and whatnot, but they, they know that I basically live in a museum. My office is that. full of, of, of crazy. And so and so if we get into an, a, a animation, comic art, uh, I have a few gems. I'm like the world's greatest Beavis and Butthead fan, you know, maybe I one of three. There may be a couple of guys on, on Instagram that have me beat, um, but I have some, I mean, I have probably a hundred original beavis and butthead animation cells uh and, yeah. and other bits of stuff but <laughs> i don't even um, think mike judge has a hundred uh no nah, he doesn't uh <laughs> but, but 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 highlights from the collection so this is an original uh watercolor background oh, uh, wow. Highland, highland high school background and so again original watercolor and there were only like two or three of these you know mm -hmm. i mean i mean you know how they do it it's like well yeah. they're going to cut back to the same footage over and over again when they yeah. want to establish the high school and so this is like one of probably two or three primary uh establishing shots of the high school um again original watercolor it's it, i mean it's just beautiful i mean it's it's just it it, it it makes me smile all the time and then 
you know, I, I will frame up stuff for the office and I switch them out. I don't know, once a year or something like that, but I try to find moments in the show that I get really excited about. And so there was a, um, one of the kind of classic episodes, Beavis and Butthead sneak into a nudist colony and like, and, and very little happens. Basically their eyes, their their eyes almost pop out of their head. They're there for like an entire day. Doing nothing. Yeah. At the, at the end of the episode, it cuts to old Beavis and Butthead. Um, uh, and, And they're sitting, they're sitting on the same couch where we see them all the time. And, you know, some, some, uh, the voice of God comes in and says, Beavis and Butthead, you, you've lived long and fruitful lives. Like, what is your, you know, single greatest accomplishment? And he goes, uh, we saw naked people. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I went and got old Beavis and Butthead. Are. Oh my God. Nice. Um, and, 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 and they're, they're amazing. Old Beavis is, uh, is, is incredible. And, and what I really love about this is it's you know, the coloring is incomplete. They're like, you know, uh, you know uh, we're not going to see that on camera. So, so screw it. Uh, let's, let's just leave the outline of his pants. Um, but DC and Metallica, yeah. are not the, <laughs> yeah, they have not moved on in their musical. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, Mr. Van Driesen singing "Men Have Feelings Too" in the uh, in the um, you know in the woods on a camping trip with Beavis and Butthead. That's um, uh, that's one of my favorite moments. But um, but then I got into a couple of things. I, I I'm not going to inundate you with this stuff, but um, uh, I got I got a big package of uh, of stuff when uh, when the Fonz oh, met met, met Scooby Doo. Oh my gosh! Um, and, and I have some other stuff. Yeah, it was just a promo thing, you know, uh, where they they were trying to promo a bunch of stuff, and so I have all this stuff with with with, with, with the Fonz and Scooby Doo together, um, and it's wonderful. They're, they're these little fucking time capsules of of, of, of brilliance uh, that are so loaded with just like meaning, and uh, and 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 they make me smile. And um, uh, you know, I mean, I I, I create. I, I I just write all day. That's all I have to do. I'm very lucky. Um, and um, you know the best I learned to tell stories by watching cartoons when I was a kid, by playing with toys when I was a kid. Uh, the best stories I ever told, I told with my toys when I was a kid. And so now I write in a room, I write in this like mm-hmm. maniac's so cave that, that that's full of this stuff. Um, and it inspires me. This stuff talks to me. You know, if I'm, if I'm stuck, I don't have writer's block because if I'm stuck, I look at the wall and I look at Beavis and he tells me to write something. <laughs> I pull down my old welcome back Cotter toys and they tell me what to do next. Um, and so, um, you know, and so I feel it. I mean, when you, when you talk about, you talk about walking to the museum for the first time and just, you know, kind of knowing that, uh, I mean, for a number of reasons, uh, 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 because your, your, you know, your true, your, love your, your, your true love was there uh, in both cases, right? We're going to show off our artwork now? Actually, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to show off artwork. The, posi- <laughs> the position of the sun has changed. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, but, but, but also it's like there's this, um, uh, uh, there's this other thing happening. It's like this, the, 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 the souls of like mm-hmm. a thousand great, you know, works of art are, are on the walls there. And, um, and that's interesting. And I, I, I mean, I love your guy's story because it has, um, it is so, it's so tailored for Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, you know, of course it's the story of a man going in and getting a job at a museum. Right. But that's not enough. You know, if you walked in and you tried to pitch that to a Hollywood executive, they'd be like, yeah, but what is it really about? You know, and it's like, well, he meets this, he meets this girl <laughs> and it goes from there. You know, it's a, uh, it, it, it's a great story. It's a, it's a Hollywood uh, tailored story. And I, I've, I've enjoyed listening to it. 
and I'll point you, out behind I, us, I, we've actually got some. That's art. right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and you have, you have some of your collection yeah. at home. Yeah, we've got. Um, yeah, we're not. Um, you know, we're not big art buyers necessarily. So a lot of what we we've stuff. gotten, we you know, we buy some things, we get some are gifts or trades. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got we've met some very generous artists and, and people over the years. Um, so in the middle is a Greek comic book festival poster. So I got to uh, the first Batman art exhibition I curated um, here in, in San Francisco, uh, this festival comicdom in Greece mm -hmm. uh, wrote to me and said, hey, could you do a version of that um, for us, for our festival? And I was going to say yes anyway, but they said, we'll fly you out um, to be a guest at the convention. And so, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll absolutely yeah. do that. And that was cool. And we met and befriended uh, a lot of the, the people who organized it and the artists there. Uh, Mike Dialinus, who mm -hmm. um, has drawn uh, The Woods mm -hmm. and... Um, has done, uh, I think Wind is his current comic mm -hmm. with James uh, Tynan IV. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're frequent collaborator, collaborators, mm -hmm. um, but Mike's a friend of ours. And I'm, I'm from that convention, yeah. From that convention specifically. Um, we've got a Carl Speed McNeil finder page. Yeah. Um, so. I'm a big finder fan, so I've got a few, of, I'm a big fan of Carl Speed McNeil, so I have a few of her pages. Mm -hmm. And there's also a Jack Kirby Commandy page, yeah. which we nice got probably the last page. time any Kirby page was affordable. Yeah, <laughs> but Shane and Shane and Shane and uh, splurged and got me one for Christmas. What issue was that from? 15, 15 yep. years back, years ago. Yeah, it'd go for like ten times what I paid for it now. Sure, yeah. it's pretty cool though. It's great. It's the issue well, was sure. screaming man bats. <laughs> yeah, my comic art collection is entirely uh, narcissistic. It's mm -hmm. I, I don't have a lot of money, so I spend it on giving artists who have drawn comics I have written money. That's good. So I have maybe about 12 pages from various comics. And of course, ironically or not, the easily the most valuable page I have was given to me. I didn't pay for it. Uh, yeah. My partner, uh, I, I do an I do an indie comic that I co-created with Kevin Eastman. Oh, cool! And Kevin sent me his first page from the comic. Oh, that's nice. And signed it with a beautiful that's note nice. and all that. I want to make and, some weird work. Yeah, I haven't I haven't hit Kevin up for. Yeah. <laughs> What's like, that? Uh, Kevin's Kevin wrote, is great. I can talk. Yeah. Well, uh, Andrew wrote a book. Talk. Yeah, he wrote a book on the Ninja Turtles. But oh. <laughs> we don't have any Eastman and Laird art. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I had an amazing. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's another that's another couple hours. But like, I <laughs> uh, interviewed Kevin for like the first big history book I wrote was a complete history of the turtles, mm -hmm. uh, and he was very generous with his time. And he, um, you know, the page I covet uh, is the one that um, you know Ryan that. Ryan Ryan Brown has it because he penciled it. But the cover for the book, oh, yeah. um, Ryan Brown penciled, Kevin inked it, uh, and it's 
um, you know, it, it floors me that this happened, but I, <laughs> I, I did my, I did a cover sketch based on mm -hmm. uh, TMNT number one. Mm -hmm. And I had the high concept of like on the left, we will have- um, Each turtle is from a different era of Ninja yeah. Turtles. So sure. we'll have original comic book turtle, but then we'll have 80s animation turtle, and then we'll have a contemporary comic book and contemporary animation mm -hmm. turtle. And I planned it out and I said, like, we'll have, um, you know, I've got to have Raphael on the the left because he'll be, he's got to be in red. Yeah, because they all, originally they all looked like Raphael. So right. we've got to have, we've got to, we've got to do that. Yeah. And on so the he's right, he's got to be the, the OC turtle. On the right has to be Donatello from the current, the then current animated series mm -hmm. because I need to show off the gap tooth because that was right. Like, that was a cute little design yeah. detail that I liked. And that was, yeah. everybody knows that's him. Yeah. Right. And then I said, by process of elimination, <laughs> it's got to be 80s animation Michelangelo so uh -huh. he can be eating a piece of pizza. Yeah. Yep. So I, ske I sketched this out and sent it to my editor. And um, I must have been talking to Ryan. And, and he said, yeah, I'll, I said, I'll draw it. And he said, I'll talk Kevin into inking it. And I cool. said, okay, yeah. if you want to do that with my design, like, I know it's Kevin's design, Kevin and Pete's design from way back when, right? But like, it was my as my art direction, so yeah. that was, um, yeah. So that was pretty. Yeah, no, I. Oh, Ryan's got it. He says it's not. It's never leaving my house. Oh. <laughs> sure. mm. That's on my. Yeah, list. I. I, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Drawing Blood, which is the thing I co-created with Kevin, yeah, which is yeah. a pastiche of the history of the turtles in its way, and. Uh, Maybe the most flatters I, I flattered I'd ever been as a comic book writer is when I handed in the outline for uh, the Ragdolls, which is the the real Ninja Turtles pastiche. It's three cats, and they're named after animators instead of Renaissance painters and whatever. But it's very much a pastiche of the Turtles. And uh, Kevin said, "Yeah, I'll do layouts for this." And I was Aww. like, oh, that's "You're cool. gonna you're gonna draw my script seriously?" And the thing about if you've seen Kevin's layouts, every time he sends layouts, I'm like, we could just publish these, right? You realize these are, these are mod, they're not finished, but they're like beautiful modern art. Like they're really gorgeous. And he's like, no, 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 someone else will. And, and uh, Troy Little inked them and did a really great job. But Troy is, Troy works in a very cartoon world. Mm -hmm. not very over rendered lots of line. And when we went to do a second ragdolls project, Troy said, I beg of you, don't make me ink Kevin Eastman again. I, my, my arm has just about recovered uh -huh. from inking 32 pages of Kevin Eastman. And we came, he came up with a premise because the ragdolls are a, are a commentary on the history of comic books in and of itself. Mm -hmm. The second ragdolls comic is a pastiche of like, it's basically a Nickelodeon TV show spinoff comic. So it can be way more cartoony and way more child focused. And the violence is way less realistic and all of that. Um, and, uh, and Troy came up with a plot for it, which is again, like I'm not a kid's entertainment guy at all. Uh, so I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have come up with overdog steals all of the fish in New York city. So there can be no more sushi and the cats are outraged. Like that's the, <laughs> That's a that's a kid show plot. I don't know mm -hmm. that I would have come up with that, but yeah, seeing seeing Kevin drawing uh, 
anything you've written is a pretty wild, you know, written design, anything is, uh, is a pretty wild experience. And I've told this story on the show before, but it's the first time that I ever worked in Marvel style because oh, when, yeah. I got, when I got to the fight scenes and I started breaking down Tezuka does this and Miyazaki does this and Otomo does yeah. this, I was like, you're really going to be telling Kevin Eastman how to draw a fight scene with funny talking animals. And I called him up and I said, I'm going to Stan Lee all the fight scenes in this thing. I'm just going to say five page martial arts fest. And at the end, here's who's standing and here's who's down. You draw whatever hell you want and I'll add the quips and the jokes later. And he's like, great. And, you know, ran with it. And, That's great. You know, and then they fight. And then they fight. Exactly. Which is, uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't stand Lee to the you know to the point of giving him, <laughs> giving him one single single page to describe what happens in a thirty-two page comic book. Uh, but I your cigar jumping yeah. up on the desk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I did I I did uh, rough in the action scenes, and that was and that was a it was a wild experience. But Kev, I always say Kevin's the second nicest man in comics, and that's only because Stan Sakai is out there. Stan Sakai is yeah. awfully nice. Yeah. Yeah. Stan because Stan's a sweetheart as well. I was going to ask about the I, about the uh, Schultz Museum because I know they're up there, and I wondered if you had any kind of relationship with them. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, as as I was starting out, um, they were getting ready to, um, you know, they're in the process of breaking ground and getting ready to build their museum in Santa Rosa. Right. Um, so not not long at all after I moved to San Francisco, Charles Schultz passed away, mm -hmm. um, and you know, um, not long after I started volunteering at the museum, um, you know, I was I was made aware of like the car the the first big um, you know donors, the first big backers of the Cartoon Art Museum. Um, were Charles and Janie Schultz who wanted, mm. you know, wanted this to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, our the museum's founder, our museum's founder, Malcolm White, mm -hmm. uh, was a publisher and um, you know cartoon aficionado and fan, and like he was friends. Uh, I should speak in present tense. He, he's yeah. he's friends. He's, fr he's, he's alive, friend Andrew. <laughs> I know fr friends friends with a lot of artists. At the time, he was friends. Yeah. You know, he's, um, At the time, he was alive. Still, still alive. He's, um, but uh, you know, he reached out to them and, and got their support. And you know, Jeannie continues to be our single biggest mm -hmm. supporter. Wow, um, that's great. We, yeah, we were able to. You know, I wasn't in position at the time to do so, but mm -hmm. um, you know, the director and the staff. Um, at the Cartoon Art Museum, were consulting and offering advice yeah. as the Charles Schultz Museum moved mm -hmm. forward, uh, and they opened in two thousand two, and we've been, um, yeah, um, they've helped us with exhibitions and events, and and vice versa. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm actually getting some art together. Uh, they're doing a show of. Um, uh, that's including some of Schultz's influences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's not that's, cool. that's not material they necessarily have in the collection, but some of our permanent collection covers, um, you know, some of the strips he grew up mm -hmm. reading. 
So they wanted to, um, like, do you have, um, yeah, do you have art from this artist from this time period? So we can, we can maybe. I'm, I'm really curious as to who that is. Like, who was a big influence on Schultz? You know, there were, um, you know, he, he did read Crazy Cat as a kid. He read right. um, uh, Skippy by Percy mm -hmm. Crosby. That's one he always talked about a lot. Um, you know, he was drawn to some of the more, um, you know, he's drawn to some of the more madcap mm -hmm. strips mm -hmm. that were going on at the time. And probably three seconds after I log off, I'm going to remember who specifically, whose art specifically I pulled for this exhibition that yeah. I'm blanking on right now. But um, yeah, he he like everybody, comics were one of the major um, mass media um, when he was growing up in the in the 20s and 30s. So it was the kind of, it was the kind of thing that. Um, you know, now I would I would say it's probably the equivalent of, um, you know, probably probably the equivalent of um, pro football, where you can just you can you can be relatively sure that somebody um, that you just bump into on the street is going to know what you're talking about. Like, did you see the game last night? Did you see this? Do you, did this? Um, you know, now mass media is fractured, but. Um, you know, it used to be maybe like seeing friends on mm -hmm. Thursday night and talking about right. it on Friday or something. Mm -hmm. um, so comics were the thing that everybody knew. So everybody's following what's what's little orphan Annie, little orphan Annie up to. Sure. Um, do you think this guy got the drop on Dick Tracy? What do you think? Is this is this right. the end of the trip? Is this going to be? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's. Um, you know, it's 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 cool to see that carrying on in different ways, like where there are there are absolutely comics like Dave Pilkey's comics and Lincoln, Lincoln Pierce's and Raina Telgemeier's and Mo Willems and Judd Winnick's. Like there are comics that are absolutely, you know, this is the entire world for some kid mm -hmm. right now. And they're probably, you know, a hundred thousand other kids that this kid can meet and strike up a conversation and be right. best friends over this. And that's, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the things. And as I'm saying that I'm thinking about Garfield, mm -hmm. um, right. Which, um, what's amazing about Garfield is, <laughs> you know, pretty much every, pretty much every adult you meet, um, you know, our age and, um, younger, like, was into Garfield and was obsessed with it for a period, and then would probably tell you without thinking about it, like, oh, yeah, I outgrew it. Mm -hmm. But uh, somehow, and I don't know, I don't know what it is about an orange cat and his owner and the dog that <laughs> uh, that lives with them, uh, whether it's whether it's their dog or not. Anyway, the dog uh, of that guy they killed. The dog of that, yeah, the dog of that guy. Um, but um, there's always a new batch of six to ten year olds mm -hmm. coming up. So the second 
the second somebody ages out of it and says like, oh, I'm not, sure. not, I'm not excited about my Garfield book anymore. There's another kid ready to just right. jump in and like pick up the slack and say, right. that's okay. And now Garfield is my favorite thing in the whole world. It's well, and look at, look at Peanuts. They're, you know, mm -hmm. They're on their, I don't know how many times they've run through his entire catalog in newspapers. Maybe they're all, I mean, it was many years. So maybe they're only on the, maybe they're still on that first go round. Yeah. Uh, since yeah. they started repeating it after he died mm -hmm. and after he retired. And I think they, I think they skip over the first decade, maybe decade and a half. Because it's off the, model by yeah. modern standards. Yeah. Which are, which are great strips and they could, yeah, you know, now that now uh, they they could very well at some point say like now we'll just brand it as classic peanuts mm -hmm. and do the a lot of newspapers call it that anyway. I I saw a strip the other day that I had never seen before that someone identified as sort of the origin of maybe the most famous peanuts image, and it's Lucy holding the football and she yanks it away because she's afraid he's going to kick her hand. Yeah, yeah, she did that. And I was like, and it's and it's from the early, like you could mm -hmm. tell by the drawing, it was from that first decade before mm -hmm. it settled into the endless, you know, kabuki theater of her doing that to him, you know, every twentieth Sunday or whatever it was. Yep. But uh, and, I and think there's Violet also an early the first. There's also an early strip where he she wants to play football and he tells her that football is just for boys and girls shouldn't play it. And I saw someone identify that strip and say, and this is why Lucy fucks with him for the next 15 years. That's right. Charlie was a sexist dick to her about football the first time they talked about it, and she never forgave him for no. decades. That's a <laughs> so Yeah. I but yeah, that idea, that idea of a single, of a monoculture, we've talked about that on the show before, that it's, you know, everything is splintered in niche and now there really isn't something that everyone has seen in every one of my favorite echoes of the the 30s comic strip era my father who was born in 1924 mm -hmm. for the rest of his life till the day he died about 20 years ago any cute small thing was a skeezix oh yeah <laughs> it's a puppy a kitten a baby and i was <laughs> super impressed with there's an episode of mad men where Roger Sterling, who's the same age as my father, refers to the baby that is secretly his as, let me see the little skeezics. And I went, that is an excellent detail <laughs> because that is the generation where all babies are named skeezics because of uh, Gasoline Alley, of course. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, that time has passed. But certainly when I was a kid in the 70s, the pe peanuts were a monoculture and everybody was oh, yeah. familiar with it. And I had all of the paperback collections. I mean, I don't know that I ever, I don't know how much I was reading it in a newspaper. I know that my parents bought me the paperbacks and I watched the TV show and I still have a bunch of those paperbacks, the ones that haven't fallen apart in my hands when I try to reread them. Um, and I remember some of them, I remember seeing an early paperback where it was the first, it was from the first 10 years mm -hmm. and being like, you know, like watching the first season of the Simpsons where you're like, yeah, wow. These aren't the faces that they're not quite what I remember. But actually, I love the early style. I actually think it's a. It's really nice. It's its own thing, and it's very mm -hmm. beautiful. And it's, uh, you know, maybe you see a little more Harriman in it. I don't know, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's a really interesting style. Um, but anyway, we should uh, we should start to wrap up. I want to yeah. 
give you a chance to talk about uh, the what you have planned for the future of the museum. Do you have any 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 thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I'm talking to actually. Yeah, I'm always I'm always talking to artists about um, what they have coming up, and I'm always talking to collectors about what they have in their collections. Um, so I'll mention, yeah, two things. Two things coming up very soon are. Um, uh, a show with the, the artwork of Keith Knight, mm -hmm. who um, brilliant cartoonist. Everybody should know his work. Mm -hmm. If you have Hulu, uh, you need to watch the show Woke, mm -hmm. uh, which is loosely based on yeah. his life. So he's a yeah. he's a cartoonist who um, grew up grew up near Boston, moved to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, did an autobiographical comic called the K Chronicle still does it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's got a daily strip too. Yeah. Um, and just his experiences as, mm -hmm. um, yeah, as a young, was he, is he young in the show? Yeah. It's both like the show is largely based on his experiences when he was living in San Francisco, which was like when we knew him because we're here and he was doing a lot of stuff with the cartoon art museum. Um, and so it's absolutely wild to watch this show because like, we it's, remember it's, some of these, we remember happening. these things, <laughs> you remember things he did that are in the show. I got so excited when it got to the, uh, the red, a black person service, which was an actual thing that he oh, did at Jesus. one point. He would go, um, he put up flyers around town advertising them for, you could rent a black person to be at your cool white person hipster party. <laughs> to add, add instant and, credibility. Yes. And, uh, and wow. he got about it's, it, the, the calls he got were like partly people being offended by it, partly people asking in all the seriousness if they could hire a black person to come to their hipster party, and partly black people looking for work. And they're like, well, y'all yeah, do this. Sure. <laughs> awesome. But that's an actual. Yeah, I can, I can like, drink Chardonnay. Like yes, it's I can drink Chardonnay and make, make delightful conversation. And right. yeah, that's an actual plot line in the show Woke. And I was just my so mind before before he got the Hulu show before <laughs> based on yes. the fictionalized version of his life. Yes. Um, the real version of his life he fictionalized in his <laughs> in the Kanker, autobiographical exactly. comic. Yeah. So we're gonna do an exhibition of his comic book art, but with some props and some behind mm -hmm. a behind the scenes look at the uh, at the TV show. Yeah. And Great. also this. And because the show's set in San Francisco and he was in San Francisco writing about that for so long, it's got like a local angle. Of course. To like to have, I know Andrew likes to have, you know, local San Francisco Bay Area related stuff, especially now that we're in like a sort of touristy area where a lot of people are coming from out of town and want to see sure. something San Franciscan. Sure. And the other, yeah. And again, this is, this is something. A year ago, I absolutely would not have predicted. Uh, what, the rat porn? Yeah, coming up in <laughs> uh, coming up in January um, is the last week tonight masterpiece gallery. I so was so the stuff from the John Oliver show. Yeah. Yes. Oh so my god! If you're a fan of John Oliver's, <laughs> I am. I have seen that rat time. porn. I don't know if you've seen that, Ryland. It's it's yeah, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Awesome. He's yeah. He's a master. John Oliver 
he's slowly amassing, amazing collection. He's slowly collecting naive art. Let's put it that way. It's it's and he had this it's kind of a cross between Henry Darger and Mouse. Really, it started as rat porn, and now he's got a couple other rat pieces. Rat erotica. It started with the rat erotica, erotica painting. It's classy. The rat erotica painting, and now there's there's a couple other pieces, different subjects. So he had upon this idea, like he said, I've got this collection of art. I need places to, I need venues for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so he put a call out and I'm going to, I'm going to have to thank um, Terry Hastings, wife of cartoonist, John Bean Hastings. Yep. And they, they're two of our earliest uh, and longest like supporters at the cartoon art museum. I forget if John was a board member or if he was just like the most enthusiastic early cartoonist supporter mm -hmm. uh but terry terry sent me a note and said john oliver is doing this thing where he's looking for museums to host his collection yeah. that's great says, you absolutely have to reach out and i i watched their i watched their pitch i saw send us an email and tell us why you should host this and mm -hmm. I just I wrote I just wrote up a very sincere note about like the museum and its history and mm -hmm. why I think we would be a, a suitable venue and then I forgot about it and did not hear anything sure. for six months I don't I don't know how long and then I got a I got a note from uh, one of his producers and she said yeah I want to talk <laughs> and I got got on the phone uh, and we talked mm -hmm. and. We had a, we had several conversations, and I, I think um, um, you know since um, we had the the name and the credibility, and we just sure. were a good fit. Um, she said, "Yeah, let's 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 make this happen." So it's great because mm -hmm. we got um, we got a ten thousand dollar donation from them, yeah, and the San wow. Francisco the San Francisco Marin Food Bank. Mm -hmm. Got a matching ten thousand dollar donation. That's nice yeah. from the John Hodgman yeah. or the John. The John uh, Oliver, yeah, yeah, it's, really nice. it's actually a really nice thing to doing because, like, a lot of obviously a lot of museums are having a tough time under sure quarantine, so they've got like because we had, like, we had we had a year of no yeah. no admissions, uh, no foot sure. traffic, no, no yeah, so visitors, no no site. Yeah, so they're doing like what, four different locations. It's venues, five. It's five, five venues across the country, and I didn't know. We're I the last one. Yeah, we're the we're the we're the last venue. We're the we're the, the West only Coast West climax, Coast. as it yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, we're wrapping up the whole thing, mm -hmm. and I did not know until their press release about it because they they made a video. They said, "Yeah, you have to you have to." Uh, I told Shannon, and I don't think anybody else other than <laughs> oh, I, I like after it was close to a done deal, mm -hmm. I told our director and our, our board of directors mm -hmm. like. You're gonna hear about us and rat erotica very uh -huh. soon. <laughs> but, but I said, by the way, like I I hope I didn't overstep my bounds, but I, I put in our names for this. Sure. It's like we're gonna be a venue. Um, you know, so January we're gonna be hosting this. We're hoping we're hoping to get some nice publicity. I'm gonna to talk to all the local media and oh, some sure. news stories out of it. Yeah. Um and it's a, it's a cool thing. I didn't know until they made their announcement about it that there were about a thousand applicants. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and 
I was hearing about what some of the other venues did. Like mm -hmm. they, I heard like, oh, we were we recorded a funny video and we mm -hmm. did a we did a Zoom dance routine or something. Mm -hmm. We did this and like we did a, we did a mock up and it's like I wrote. <laughs> uh you know maybe maybe it's my maybe maybe that's a testament testament to my writing ability but i just uh well you know, well, I wrote you know, a nice sometimes, and I, as, I again since sometimes sincerity wins yeah so that's 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 how you know it's how you get the great pumpkin to visit mm -hmm. and that's um i'll, I'll stand by that <laughs> yeah no that's the, exactly you're in you're in your pumpkin patch waiting for your rat erotica that's right <laughs> That is pretty amazing. All right. Well, uh, to, to do the final wrap up, uh, where can people find you and find the Cartoon Art Museum online? Uh, so, yeah, cartoonart.org uh, is everything you need for the Cartoon Art Museum. If you want to um, see me talking about comics and other things, I'm Andrew Farrago on Twitter, and also if you go to um, andrewferrago.com, that's my mm -hmm. infrequently updated website where I talk about, um, you, you, can, you can see my whole bibliography there. So whenever mm -hmm. I have um, book news or announcements, mm -hmm. that's where that goes. And Shannon can tell you. <laughs> well, I'm at, yeah, I'm at online at shannon.com. That's my name, S-H-A-E-N-O-N.com. And I'm also Shannon Garrity on Twitter. It's Great. pretty easy to find me because there's not a lot of Shannons. <laughs> there, as I have learned from my last name, there is a, there is a benefit to having an unusual name. Yeah, I can look up my books and my father's books on eBay just mm -hmm. with the last name alone, and that's pretty much the two of us and Italian pottery is pretty <laughs> much all it shows up. And some if, he's, if he's watching this, there is, um, and I have to I have to apologize to him. Um, uh, according to imdb.com, there's an Andrew Farrago who um, had a bit part in the, and I shouldn't call it a bit part in case he's watching it. He, yeah. he had a role. <laughs> he had an important role. He had a role in the movie Capote. Yeah. And he's a car rental agent. Mm -hmm. And I think um, he should he should he should call me or email me because that's now attributed to me on my IMDb. <laughs> Thing. I've written to them several times trying to search now you're, this out. Now you're in the movie Capote. I had the I had the other problem. The first time I logged into IMDb in the late nineties, whenever it was, they my career was outlandish enough that they did not believe I was one person. They had me split into three different people. That's good. A uh, writer, a film editor, and a grip. Wow. Like, no. Nice. The guy who worked on the Power Rangers also yeah. wrote those shitty low budget movies. Um so, <laughs> Yeah, my IMDb entry I think has me as an extra in um, the Toxic Avenger Four Citizen Toxie, but that's real. Nice, nice, nice. That's a, that is a very solid credit. <laughs> I have actually written uh, a character based on Lloyd Kaufman is a recurring character in my Elvira comics, <laughs> and that's I uh, I so gave. I've got, yeah, I've got these comic <sighs> and cartoon documentaries and DVD extras, and then the Capote movie, which I really. <laughs> Which yeah, is your finest? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make an assumption that, and again, like this, this could be this could be a whole not very interesting episode. The name Farago is apparently um, fairly common in Hungary. Interesting. Uh, 
So I've had you're, I, you're not Hungarian. I've had Hungarians come up and like throw their arms around me, it's and it's and it's mm. it's it's actually um, Faraji is the family name, but ah. um, due to a typo or someone thinking this is mildly easier, mm -hmm. uh, they put an O on it sure. at some point, and um, so now. Again, my my fam my family can go to Hungary and probably eat like kings if we. It's <laughs> a good place to be. Off. And I, I don't want to make assumptions about the Capote <clears throat> actor, but I would I would love to hear from him. If, uh, <laughs> anybody and has speaking <laughs> speaking of uh, names that are hard to uh, pronounce and spell, uh, I am at Rylan Grant on all forms of social media. That's R Y L E N D G R A N T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly arranged letters, and so now I have to spell it for you. Um, yes, if, you <laughs> if you look on my IMDb, you'll see that I am uh, credited as having played a vagrant in a Captain America movie and a uh, dead body in CSI, uh, uh, amongst nice. other things. That's right. Uh, stories for a different pod. Um, <laughs> but my uh, uh, my books, the Ringo Award-winning Aberrant and the four-time Ringo-nominated Banjax are available in fine comic shops everywhere, alongside Suicide Jockeys, uh, my brand new tokusatsu joint that is in comic shops via SourcePoint Press. Um, again, issues one through three are there. Go grab them. And if you want to grab my uh, Kickstarter books, the Astral Projection Thriller The Jump, and the uh, Fargo S crime drama, The Peacekeepers, uh, those are available right now via BackerKit. If you go to the jump2.backerkit.com, that's the jump one word and the number two, the jump2.backerkit.com, you'll find those. You'll find signed copies of Aberrant and Banjax and all sorts of rare con variants. So go out and get those. Uh, what do you got for us, Avaloni? Uh, I can be found at davidavalonefreelance.com, um, which has all of the links to all of the things because I was not smart enough to give myself the same name across all social media the way Ryland did. Um, and uh, we have uh, Elvira meets Vincent Price, as I like to say. The, uh, I think Roger Corman said the definition of an exploitation product is that the the concept sells itself to the audience. You don't need to tell anybody. So if the title Elvira meets Vincent Price appeals to you, it's for you. If the title doesn't appeal to you, there's nothing I can say to you that will make that appeal to you. Uh, but if you like those two people, you will love the comic. And uh, that's wrapping up with issue five, but issue three comes out next. And I have a bunch of other stuff. There's going to be another Elvira uh, Kickstarter coming up soon, which is a, a celebration of her 40th anniversary. Um, hasn't been officially announced yet, but it's called The Death of Elvira. Um, uh, drawn by the great Italian comics artist Silvia Califano. Does uh, Star Trek over at IDW. I just, as we were talking, the last inked pages landed in my, my email box. I'm very excited to see them. And, uh, and that's what I got. I also do another pod podcast called Pulp Today, where I read uh, from classic pulp fiction. And my definition of pulp fiction goes as far back as The Odyssey. Uh, so, uh, that check that out if you get a chance, but thank you so much, Shannon and Andrew for coming on the show. Oh, great Thanks, meeting guys. you Thanks in person and, uh, maybe we'll do it. I, I can't wait to come up and see the museum. I, I've never been there and I, I really look forward to it. 
Thanks. Thank you for being on the show, and we'll see everyone on the next exciting episode. Oh, boy. It's the best thing, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.